Hey everybody, Adam here. Just wanted to introduce you to a weird episode of the podcast. Uh, you'll you'll figure it out soon enough, as as soon as we really get going there. Uh, but before that, I wanted to remind you that we have kind of revamped the podcast. We've kind of rebranded, got our whole new socials and everything. So uh, we are now the theory behind it. That's our new title. We've updated that on Facebook and Twitter. We have also started a subreddit at r slash the theory behind it. And once you get, if you get there or to our Facebook page, we've also started a Discord server for the theory behind it. Fan cord, cord spelled C H O R D, because we're very funny. Uh, but come join us. We'd love to talk to you guys. Love to hear from you. Love to build the community. We're really excited about the rebrand, uh, and we hope that good things come from it. So check us out in all those spots, and please enjoy this week's uh, weird episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Our Zots. I don't know how special it's going to be, but uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, you could consider this somewhat of a spin-off episode. This is, uh, even like comics, this would be a non-canon story. Uh, Seth and Livy are not here today. This is kind of uh, just a little bonus, just for me. It's... Depending on how well this goes, Seth and Livy may never be back. That is true. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. That's not true. Let me clarify. Not true, but, you know, we'll see. Um, that voice you just heard is the voice of my father, <laughs> Tim Moffat. He's here with us today in the studio, a.k.a. the guest bedroom of my parents' home. So This is like a dream come true. Like, since the day you were born, I have dreamed of being a guest on your podcast. Yeah, before podcasts were a thing. You were just hoping I could, see it coming. I could sit in the room and talk, yeah. Um, I kind of figured that would have made me, like, the podfather. <laughs> okay, all right, <laughs> all right. So we're doing something a little self-indulgent uh, for me, uh, for me mostly. I had to rope dad into this. Uh, but I have threatened on air many, many times to do a U2 themed episode. And folks, it's upon us. It's arrived. It's day has come. You can run no longer. Uh, we're going to do a U2 draft in the style of screen drafts. Who, once again, we're robbing outright, uh, stealing their format wholesale. Uh, highly recommend it. We really, uh, I enjoy the podcast immensely. And I think you should go listen to it so they'll be less mad if they ever hear this. Okay, so uh, how it's going to work is we've decided, uh, based on time restraints and my father's own patience, uh, we're going to draft <laughs> the top nine U2 albums. Uh, we're not doing any EPs. We're not doing any of the live albums. We're not doing uh, the weird one that I'd like to talk about at the end. It's special. Um, so we're drafting the top nine U2 albums. Nine out of? Fourteen. Nine out of fourteen. So, so there are five that are not going to make the list. Left out in the cold. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so the way it works is one person will draft uh, at spots one, three, five, and seven. The other person will draft at two, four, eight six eight and nine they get the person who drafts the number two movie gets more picks as a to counterbalance that and they're going to pick the two at the bottom back to back um the other thing is that we can veto we each have a veto which that's going to get real testy really quick i'm afraid that if we don't like the selection that one of us makes at 
the position it is at, we can veto that movie goes back into the pile of all the albums and we can draft it at a later spot on the list or it won't get drafted at all. So there's a little bit of there's some counterplay to be had with the veto. You have to be sure it doesn't just come up at a higher spot. You really want to get it off the list or you're trying to get it higher. That's pretty much how the game works. Do you have any questions? Are you good to no, go? No, but I was just going to talk about um, what our relationship with you two That's is. That's right. Yep. Why are we... Why is it you two? Why am I on this podcast? Um... Sure. Would you like to go first? Yours seems more historically based. Yours goes a little further back than mine. No, I think, you know, as any any child of the 80s uh, grows up and has kids of their own, they want to introduce their music to their kids. And so I think it took a little while for me to introduce you to you too and say, no, you ought to listen to this. This is, is good stuff. And so your your uptake on it, I think, was probably slow but I'm anxious about this process because I believe that your consumption of YouTube has dramatically surpassed mine over the years. Yes, I, I do think that's true. Um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, so I got a new... I feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed here. Uh, even though I told you, hey, there's this band you ought to listen to. I kind of feel like I'm going to get squished like a bug. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's true. I, I started listening to U2. Whenever it was I, I started listening to the music, I want to say I was probably 13-ish or 14. Yeah, that seems right. Uh, and I started listening to U2 because those were like the only CDs that we had in the house that weren't like worship CDs or that one set of classical music that we had. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Quietude. Grieg was good. Yeah, Grieg. We had Grieg. We had the Quietude. That was your favorite. One afternoon you put on a Gregorian chant. I thought I was going to lose my mind. And now I've studied that. I know I know what's, what's going on. I actually downloaded um, the Gregorian chant one to my uh, whatever portable music device was. You're like first ever MP3 player. Yeah, yeah. and I actually went running with Gregorian chant yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that's... I got I, lost in a field and stayed out there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, so yeah, I started listening to U2 as a teenager because Dad had a handful of the CDs. And then I got really into it and I got the rest of the CDs. Um, and he had to come ask me for to to burn off of to rip off of my CDs for the rest of it. Uh, so yeah, our our relationship to U two kind of built off of each other, and we've seen him a bunch. We've been to concerts, and yeah, that's the other thing is like we kind of have a deal that we go to these concerts together. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. In fact, it was your mom's idea. She said you should take Adam to a U two concert, and I'm like. You are the coolest mom and wife I know. And uh, they weren't playing anywhere near our hometown. And she says, well, go find someplace anywhere in the country. And so we went to Denver for our first uh, concert. And then we've been to uh, San Jose and New Orleans and, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Those are, always, those are always really great trips. So we love you too. For that reason mm. as as well, and we pray for their health and well-being yeah. so that there can be some more trips coming up as well. Uh, Bono needs to stop falling out of airplanes and crashing in <laughs> bicycles yep. and stuff like that. Uh, so take care of yourself, boys. They, they announced that uh, Hamilton was going to be going to Australia at the same time that U2 announced like their Oceana tour of the, la- of the Joshua Tree tour. And uh, you were trying to see if there was any way we yeah, could get to Australia for yeah. Hamilton and, and you too. Didn't work out. Uh, but, all right, so that's kind of the background. We've explained the format of the show. 
on screen drafts, usually what they do is uh, they, one of the hosts will ask the drafters a trivia question, and the winner of the trivia question gets to pick which spot they want. See, already I feel like I'm going to get squished by a bug, but go ahead. Right. There's no way that that would be a fair endeavor. That's completely impossible. So <laughs> in, a, in a show of good faith, uh, I offer my father, which spots would you like to choose? I'll give you free reign. Oh, wow. Do you um, want top spot, more picks? I want more picks. Oh boy, that makes I, me nervous. I but want all more right. picks. Okay, that means I got to do something scary. I thought we were gonna do like a trivia question, like what was the car that I listened to you two in for the first time? <laughs> what make and model the car was? It? No, because I kind of feel like I know the answer to that. That's that's the one where you'd have the up on me. Yeah, it's a 1980 Datsun 210 for those of you uh, wanting to follow along at home. The overlap between nostalgic car car people and music theorists that listen to our show is is uh, basically it's a Venn diagram it's a circle. <laughs> well, you know the Fast and the Furious movies are all about these little foreign cars that are really fast. Mm-hmm. Well, the Datsun Two Ten was a little foreign car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was incredibly slow. Yeah. Um, all right. Zero to sixty eventually. <laughs> All right, so this means that uh, Dad is going to be drafting uh, first, which means he gets more picks. He gets to pick the first spot on the list, slot number nine. I'm going to do you a favor. All right. I'm going to get one of your albums on the table and make sure that it is not in the five left over. All right. Uh, Number nine... Only because I wanted to take some shots at it. Um, I mean, you know what it's going to be. I have. Do you, do you want to guess, guess already? What is what it's going to be? You go ahead and say it. I'll give you. I'll give you the drama. It's it's pop. Oh, okay. I looked at it. Pop is terrible. All right. All right. Uh, go go ahead. Continue. Well, no, you get, you I mean, get basically, sh- I would just tell you that pop is terrible. That's your spiel. That that's that's my spiel. Now I do remember. Um, let's see here. Um, I do remember Neil Strauss from the New York Times um, <laughs> uh, writing about uh, writing about this, and he said uh, that you know from nineteen from boy to Joshua Tree, you two sounded inspired. Now it just sounds expensive. Hmm. Uh, also, it is pointed out, uh, and I remember this conversation as well. Stay, uh, stay, stay over here more. <laughs> I also remember this conversation as well, that, that U2 doesn't really like the song because almost every song on this album is rearranged if they ever do it in concert uh, that is and true. live. So not only do I not like this album, but U2 doesn't like this album. Um, I can I can corroborate that quickly because I have a list of every song we've, ever, we've seen live. Um, I have all the set lists here. And I want to say that um, we have only heard a song from Pop at one concert. Yeah, and what song was that? Uh, they did uh, "Staring at the Sun" in Philly. In Philly for okay. the uh, that's not bad. The Experience Tour. No, that one was and that one was really good. They played it like just acoustic, which on the album is mostly acoustic. Um, and then the only other time I think we've heard anything from it was they did a snippet of Disco Tech at the 360 show back in 2011. But just like they did the chorus of it in the middle of another song. So the next one's my pick again. Uh, oh, well, I, well, let me talk about pop. Oh, okay. Um, I had pop at number nine. Wow. So I don't even get any points for that. No, you crushed it. Wow, Everything's okay. going exactly as planned. Uh, when I listened to these recently, uh, I was struck by how much I actually like pop. I think pop is wow. really solid with like two or three big misses on it. Miami is possibly the worst song that U2 has oh, ever goodness. ever done. And then I think that the Playboy Mansion 
works really well on paper, and then in the song, it's insufferable. Like I like the idea, the concept of it. Well, but it's, most it's of the terrible. music that I listen to is not on paper. I don't listen to the yeah, sheets music. That's I mean, fair. Just, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean lyrically, like the idea of what they were going for, I can appreciate, but it, it doesn't it doesn't come out. Um, and so, like, kind of my goal for this was to see how high I could get pop because it kept rising in my own personal rankings, and uh, that's yeah. that's where it falls at number nine. Now the problem is, is that I'm I, surprised I ever heard Miami because I just like I'm done with this album. That's yeah. the eighth track on the album, and yeah. I'm surprised I ever get that. But like far. the last three are really good. Velvet Dress is really good. Uh, Please, I may, not, I may not know. Please <laughs> is one of my favorites, and then Wake Up Dead Man's incredible. Uh, so uh, it struggles towards the middle, and then picks up right at the end. Uh, yeah, I had Pop at number nine. So I, I think Pop is pretty good. It's just that the strength of their other albums is so strong, it it can't go any higher than than nine. And you'd be ashamed to see what I have. At, have behind pop (laughs) (laughs) um so number uh, eight are you ready can i use my second pick like later in the draft nope you gotta go now you're drafting number eight on the list um man i don't think i cared this far down i just needed to make sure pop was at the bottom let's see here basically it's from the same era um oh this might be what i was thinking of before no well like, there's some stuff, like, I'm probably not going to try to get it on here, but Actung Baby uh, at number eight, sure. Actung Baby at number eight, all right. Yeah. Let's no, talk about I, that. I like even better than The Real Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. Um, Until the End of the World, which I think we've heard live. We have, um, twice, I believe. Yeah. Including on the night that some crazy preacher said it was the end of the world. Yeah. And Bono talked about that, and, he, and everybody had a great time. That was, he, he that was really that. fun. So, I, I like those two, uh, but, you know, sure, okay. This is a problem. Pregnant pause there. Yeah. I, it's not that I want to use my veto this early in the draft and let you kind of run wild with the rest of it. But this is way higher on mine. Um, really? Oh, oh, it, it is higher on yours. Yeah, way higher on mine. Yeah, well, um, in fact, I would go... Tongue, baby. If... Um, <laughs> Um, I think that if you if you if you went to like the U two subreddit and yeah. pulled them on on what the and I don't I don't just mean them that's the only place I know where U two people congregate and even that's a tiny subreddit um, I think that the top two like top two albums I think is going to be that one and another one every time I think it's Actung Baby and another one every time I think that those are the top two I think they won Grammys I'm not sure but I'm that that's that causes some problems for me well i meant to cause you problems on the last one not on this one so <laughs> yeah and i i, I had a feeling you're going to disagree about the 90s i am going to ooh, wow so if you veto this does that mean you take its place or i have to come up you with have to one? come up with a new number eight <laughs> and then octung stays in the mix but then i can't veto two four or six cool right I guess it's only three picks. I know. See, I have the advantage where I know what your higher ones are, and if you have a pretty good guess as to what my higher ones are. I know this is taking a while. I just it just decides the rest of the draft, you know. And I have to I have to think about what happens here. I have to think about how much damage you can cause with the rest of the list. I'm a pretty destructive force. <laughs> Um, How much damage? You're you're saying that if I were to speak my opinion, that it would do harm to the universe? Nah, to the list. (laughs) I just, I can't think of what else. This is like the episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where they tell you later that, like, the person sat there for like an hour and a half trying to decide. Right, and it's edited down to 30 seconds. (laughs) This is what it, it probably it will be. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> There's like one that I just truly think can't get on the list, and that's the only thing that I'm afraid of. Everything else I think I could I could withstand, knowing your tastes and what is left. I want to veto it. There it is. There it is. So that that has been stricken from the list. No, Actong Baby was selected at eight and has been vetoed. I am out of veto. Dad runs the rest of the list. So but I'm he's got to pick a I new want. number eight. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think some of the others are going to get on there. I'm going I'm to go nuts if some of these other ones don't go on there. Right. So that's going to be on your responsibility. Uh, I'm assuming this is at the bottom of the list. Maybe I'm putting something at the bottom of the list that I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with the bottom of this list because there are also the the five, the forgotten five. Right. So, so you kind of have to judge, like, which ones are bottom of the barrel and then which ones are just kind of... Like, where do, you, where do you think you start caring? At what number do you start caring? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I... I that, may not, that may not be a I, fair question to ask you. Yeah, I, I probably... I enumerated eight albums. Gotcha. But some of them, I'm sure... I mean, I'm hoping if I raised you right, you're going to include on on your list for sure. No, um, I th- I think that there's, so. There's... I want to just throw this out because it's it, I have very little affection for it. Okay, but it matters, and that's boy 1980. Mm, I feel okay. This was a good veto. This was very good. Yeah, go ahead. Talk well, I mean, it. It, it started the band. I it mean, did? It, it started the the show, and so I think that that matters. There, it's not really an album um, that really connects with me uh some of that's probably i have a wheelhouse of mm-hmm. you two just chronologically right and so this predates my experience with you two and so i don't really have a whole lot of affection for it now i do remember when uh, kr uh, Walston oh, he, oh, he turns to the laptop you can hear the sound quality go down <laughs> when he's about to do a quote uh, K.R. Walston from the Albuquerque Journal. You know, everybody goes to the Albuquerque yep, Journal. That's they, my favorite source if, for if YouTube they criticism. they know what's happening in the music world, you go to the Albuquerque When I can't Journal. find any articles on JSTOR, I just, oh man, but Albuquerque. Yeah. I mean, I think in your in your degree, I mean, your professor oh, told you, I sourced you from need them to all the stop time. using the Albuquerque Journal. Yeah, you need to, it was It was, it was kind much. of like my world book encyclopedia, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in fifth grade. Um but but this is what uh, old KR says. He says that you two knows how to nurse a listener along, toying with tempo and chord structures. And this is what I like: just enough to sound original, but not overly avant-garde. Ladies and gentlemen, you two. That's true. They they and uh, and so yeah. that that seed of who they were going to be was mm-hmm. right there. And so mm-hmm. I, they, it's got to be on the list, even though I have very little personal right. uh, affection or connection with the album. Um, I'll say I actually have a lot of personal affection for the album. It's it's not It was not towards the top of my list. You're actually pretty close on with this one again. I feel like... Uh, I, I listened to this album at a, at a similar time as to when they wrote it. I think this was the last album that I got. You listen to this at a similar time to when they wrote it. Age, I meant age. A oh. similar age to when they wrote it. Oh, the okay. band, the it. band was okay, like, I, I think eighteen to twenty when this album came out, and I wouldn't have been quite that old. I was probably fifteen or sixteen, but I'd, I'd gone through. I'd, I'd purchased every album. I would listen to it, you know, voraciously until I felt like I knew it. I was complete with it, and then I'd get another one. Um, and boy, I intentionally saved for last because it was the first album. I wasn't necessarily working backwards. I just kind of bought whatever spoke to me at the moment. But I did listen to Boy Last, which meant that I was almost old enough to be at the same point that they were in their lives. And so kind of the story of being in between like a boy and a man. There's a song called Twilight, which is like, it's it's not day, it's not night. It's just right in that spot. 
And that's really what they were expressing. And that's really the period of my life that I was, I was coming into. Okay. Um, wow, that's deep. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not the most meaningful album to me and it's not my favorite. Um, but I did kind of have a, I related to it, to it very, very deeply. Now, um, I also think, you know, I was kind of like, okay, what is the first cut from the first album? Yeah. I will follow. And they play it at every concert. That's pretty good. Yeah, like it's, almost it's, every concert. It's we've heard good. it. We've heard it four out of four times. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's on that like, list. When you introduce yourself to the world, mm-hmm. it's not a bad introduction. Nope. Um, and out of control is fantastic. Twilight, Ancada Dub, and then um, what's the one after that? Uh, Into the heart. Into the heart. That, those first four. Now that's not the fantastic. Rush one. No, it's not. Okay. No. Uh, those first four are really great. Um, I, it sounds so raw. Like, it sounds different from all their other albums. And it's genuinely because they didn't know how to play their instruments. They were just nursing along a chord. To... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, Adam Clayton literally didn't know how to play bass. He didn't know any of the notes in the bass. He would just play until he sounded good with everyone else. It wasn't until, like, the early 90s where he actually got bass lessons and learned how to play. But, yeah, it all came together in a really, really cool way. So, awesome. That was... Uh, Dad tried to play Octung Baby at eight. I vetoed, and it was replaced by Boy. All right. There you go. All right. There so you this it. is your first this pick. This is my first pick. I'm on the table. Your first time to join the conversation. It's true. It's true. Let me count and make sure I have enough albums on here. Okay. This should still work. This isn't going to be as long as the 20 minutes it took you to, no. to veto Octung Baby? No, it won't. Okay. Um, all right. At number seven. Number seven. I will be selecting No Line in the Horizon. No Line on the Horizon. Their 2009 album. This is an album I heard very early on. I think it came out like the either months before or right as I got into U2. And I think either you bought it or like one no, of the... I bought this one. I bought this one. This one is probably one of the albums that I bought closest to its release date. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we had it. It was like... Yeah, it was just new. And so I listened to it really early on. I'll, uh, the two that we had were Joshua Tree and All That You Can't Leave Behind, which were separated by like 13 years or something. But those are just the two we had. Um, so I listened to those two first, and then I listened to this one third. I don't remember the rest of the order except for Boy. And this one's weird. This is a weird album. It's got some ups and downs on it. Um, everyone criticizes Get On Your Boots and Stand Up Comedy. Uh, and uh, what's that other one that they don't like in there? Unknown Caller gets a little bit of hate sometimes. Uh, but I think it's really interesting. And uh, I think as you'll see for as we go down the list, I prefer U2 at their most interesting. When they're, you, you read that quote about how they, they balance originality and not sounding avant-garde. I like when they do weirder stuff. Uh, that is just more interesting to me. And by nature of it being more interesting, I enjoy it more, even whether it necessarily works or not. I think a lot of it works, and I think a bunch of it doesn't. Um, no Line on the Horizon, I think, is maybe the album that... Mo- but sometimes you find notes to be overrated. Notes? <laughs> you like all the, the range, so like specific yeah. notes are overrated in your mind. Like sometimes. musical notes? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, so No Line on the Horizon, uh, it's one of the albums where they... They've worked with Brian Eno a lot. We can talk more about that as we go on. Uh, they brought Brian Eno back after a while. He actually did some writing with them on this album. And they made some poor they made some poor marketing choices with it. Uh, Get on your boots is maybe the worst single they could have released out of the entire album. That was just a well, horrible choice. It won't be their worst marketing decision of their career. That is true. You're right. 
we'll see if we get there or not. They should have released another single. Anyway, uh, No Line, the song is great. Magnificent is great. Moment of Surrender is one of the best songs they've written in the last 15 years. And then my favorite on the album is Fez Being Born, which comes a little deep on the album. It's very atmospheric. It's almost ambient. It's incredibly strange. The lyrics are super poetic and impressionistic. And it's just got incredibly cool vibes. And that's the sort of stuff that I wish they had done more of. I wish the whole album was more like that. I wish that whole period was more like that. That's what I want out of like late period U2. It's more stuff like Fez. Uh, I guess the intro is called Fez and the song's called Being Born. That's what I want out of that. I also think White as Snow is really good. That's like a, they did a, they used the melody for O Come Come Emmanuel, which is one of my favorite uh, traditional hymns. Yeah, so that album, I, I think it it's it's got it's really strong. I can't really speak yet to how strong I think it is, but it's a worthy number seven. See, I would I to just let you know, I had that much higher on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you. What I thought it you is. might. I can't tell you what it is about this album, but this album has just been a go-to. Mm-hmm. If I want to just listen and I just want to go someplace, you know, musically. Yeah. If I want to cut out. Uh, this is the album I go to. Some of it, I think, has got that that ambiance that mm-hmm. you were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, and in fact, when I'm put in earbuds and I, I want to get on an airplane, yep, and I want to just get people out. And it's stuff a good like plane that, album. That is, it is ninety three percent of all flights I've ever taken since two thousand nine have been <laughs> boarded listening to this album. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is ironic because it's not the album that. It's got the photo cover album from an, from airport. an airplane. It's true. Um, it's true. But I, I love this album. I like. I don't have any negative cuts on this album. Really? I, I love the whole thing. I don't hate anything on the album, but you, I, you don't I have an issue with stand-up comedy? I don't know if I do or don't, but I, I, Man, I there's rough. no point as I go through here that I ever say, okay, skip. Hmm. Uh, I, I yeah. love this album. Yeah, probably probably my least favorite track on here is the is the final one, uh, Cedars of Lebanon. That one doesn't work nearly See, as I well. I think for I me, like that one. It's fine. It's kind of. I think White as Snow is really really good, and then it's sort of like a like a come down to go from White as Snow to uh, Cedars of Lebanon or Breathe, Breathe. Sorry, Breathe. That's the that's the second last track. I almost forgot that song. Uh, means a lot to me. I've always okay. this song is very very important to me, uh, especially at this time in my life. I listen to it all the time. I felt like it really encapsulated a lot of stuff that I was going through. It's a great song. I think they performed it at the first concert we went to, and that was a big moment for me. Uh, so I guess going from being born, white as snow, breathe. Those are like three of my favorite songs, especially yeah. on this album, and then into Cedars of Lebanon, which I just feel is a little bit weaker. That's kind of a bummer for me, but oh well. All right, well, I'm sorry to see it go at number seven. But no veto. Um, no veto. But no veto because it, it belongs on the list, and there's probably some other ones that can go on the, mm-hmm. the list, and, and probably some others that shouldn't go on the list that I'll take care of later <laughs> because I still have a veto. You still have a veto. That's true. All right, number six. Number six. Man, I was talking a lot, and I should have been thinking about uh, these albums more. Wow. And there's nothing I can do. Man. You know, here's the thing. You're gonna. This is number six. Mm-hmm. I think this is low, and and you're gonna veto this on a technicality. I can't. But, um, but blood red sky, I, blood red sky. That's not in contention. I, I see. This is why I said you were gonna try to veto uh, it on a technicality. But I'm gonna talk about it for a few minutes, and uh, you can tell me it doesn't count. Okay. So on but, on screen drafts, what happens is they'll play a movie, they'll discuss it, and one person can say, "I don't think that fits the nature of the of." of what we're talking about and the two hosts of the podcast not the guests the two hosts have to go into a commissioner review and discuss we don't have any commissioners right, I'll make this but, quick 
I'll let you go. I'll make this quick. It is the album. Under a Blood Red Sky, right? Yes. Okay. It is the album that made you two. I was there when it happened. Now, I'm not saying it was at, I was at Red Rocks, right. but I'm telling you that this is the album that put you two on the map. And with pretty good uh, reason, uh, Gloria, I Will Follow, Sunday Bloody Sunday, New Year's Day 40, um, just the, the, the accompanying video that people would just have the, parties the at their concert house film. and just watch yeah. the concert film, uh, it put you two on, on the map. Um, more so than all the other stuff before. So um, that would be what I would say. If if you give me, I can't put that because of a technicality. I well, hold will... on. Let me let me let me um, just explain. Uh, the under a blood red sky and the concert film U two live at Red Rocks. Uh, those are under a blood red sky was released as an EP and it is a live album. Uh, live at Red Rocks is a concert film and therefore neither of them actually fit under the purview of the topic as established. We're looking for studio albums and I uh, even told you ahead of time that that wasn't going to work and you decided to squeeze it in anyway. I did because it's my house. Um, (laughs) so if i can't go with that one i will go with uh unforgettable fire because it's from the same time period 1983 1984 Uh, i believe that unforgettable fire includes the debut of pride and uh, any album that includes the debut of pride pretty much has to be on the list i'm putting that in there but basically you just have to know that in my head i'm really putting under a blood red sky but that's fine if you want to put that under unforgettable fire that's cool too uh all right do you have anything else to say about unforgettable fire no i'm good all right yeah this is a great spot this is a great pick um i love unforgettable fire uh i know i keep i keep repeating myself saying like this is really important to me this is really important to me but i was growing up and i was a teenager and i was getting into music and i was listening to a lot of this stuff and so be that as it may the unforgettable fire is the number one most influential album on my life probably of any album i think I this is the first U2 album that I bought myself on purpose. Oh, I remember that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I went on a on a trip, we stopped at a music store. I was like, I'm going to buy a CD. And I just went and looked for U2 and I found the album that had the biggest song on it that I knew, which was Pride, because <laughs> uh, that was my ringtone for a while back when yeah. ringtones were were happening. And so I bought it and I came home and I listened to it and it blew my mind because uh, up to this point, so I'll try to keep this briefer than I've, I've sometimes told it. I don't think I've told it on the podcast. The opening song, Sort of Homecoming, um, is this incredibly atmospheric like it's not it's not all the way to ambient it's not that uh, but it's incredibly expressionistic it really sets a feeling and a place and a location and it matches the cover art really well and what i had i like i said i was i think i was i'm pretty sure i was 13 when this happened and i didn't really understand music i'd never been super into music before i thought that music was used for like at church like for worship music i thought it was used uh like to dance to i thought it was just something nice to have on in the background but generally those are two different experiences right yeah okay and i did not fully understand that music could also express something that you could feel and like have a visceral internal experience with music and a sort of homecoming the first song in the album is the first time that i ever experienced that it's and awesome. was just like whoa wait a second. i'm having feelings i'm experiencing something they are expressing ideas and emotions i think it's what it was it, it was specifically like the unsaid part of expression they didn't tell me what i was supposed to be feeling it's just that i was 
And that was new for me. And I, I credit that song to have changing my life because I don't know if I would have gone into music. I don't know if I would have become a musician without this experience. I probably would have. It probably would have been another song. But it was this song and it was this album. And so while I don't think it's the best U2 album and I don't listen to it the most, that's what it did for me. That's pretty like, cool. Almost 12 years ago. So, so you're not going to veto this I one. I can't veto it. You can stop <laughs> rubbing it in. Um, that's really cool. And, Unforgettable um, Fire stays at number six, right? And six? bonus points for, it's got to be top three album art. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. The, the red trim and then the yeah, black and white picture of the castle, yeah. fantastic. It, it's got to be Also, right there are other good songs. Pride's really good. The title track is really, really good. Um, Bad is one of the best yes, U2 songs yes. ever. It's like, I think it's my top two U2 song ever. Yeah. Um, they rarely played it at concerts. It, Edge talked about Bad was missing something, that some of these songs were half-finished. And that when they play them live, they, they get whatever it is that they needed to be finished. Um, there's that very, very famous moment from Live Aid 1985. They're playing bad and Bono jumps out of the crowd to save a girl from being smushed by the crowd on, against the barricade. And he dances with her. And that like that also was a really big moment for them in the run up to the Joshua Tree. And uh, when we heard bad, we've heard bad live twice now. Yeah. Uh, once randomly, he swapped it out of the set list for like just... They played two nights in San Jose, and the second night, I don't remember which night we went to, but they didn't do it the other we night. We went the second night. Yeah, they didn't do it the first night. He swapped out the song that was supposed to be randomly, which is when they play bad. Um, the second time we heard it, it wasn't nearly as special because they play, played it at every every night of the Joshua Tree tour. But it's always an incredible experience, and I felt like I had become like a true U2 fan, that I'd heard bad live. So anyway, if my, my under a Blood Red Sky pick, if I was to go off the list, I would pick the EP Wide Awake in America because it has an extended live version of Bad that's two minutes longer than the original and it's live. It's really good. Also has a live version of Sort of Homecoming on it, but I like the album more. Okay. Anyway, All right, that, so that's Unforgettable Fire. Number five. Huh? I am. I'm getting a little nervous here because I only have, I think I only have four albums left that I want to put up here. So I have number five. That also means I have three and one. Hmm. So I have I have three picks left and you have two picks left. Okay. And I have to I have to plan around your veto accordingly. I may be just easy going and, and I doubt and... it. I doubt it. I know you're trying to hold on to it. So man, I have a tough to Okay. Alright, I have to do this uh, because I feel like this is the only safe place for it to go. And we'll see what happens. At number five, I am drafting U2's nineteen ninety three album Zeropa. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I will... Uh, well, let me talk about it first. Let me yeah. talk first. Um, I know I've talked a lot. I'll try to keep it brief. This is my favorite U2 album. This is the one I like the most. I said uh, earlier that I like it when they go more weird. I like it when they go more interesting and just make a lot of wild choices. And I think this is one of the albums where that just really comes together and it works super well. The, the title track is fantastic. One of my favorites. I always get really hyped when I listen to it. It's got this very... It's a cynical album, but that title track has like this very optimistic sort of vision of the future. Um, as told to us through consumerism, but that doesn't take away from it still being an optimistic look at the future. Um, Lemon is my... I think it's my favorite U2 song. It's It goes back and forth between Lemon and Bad uh stay is a beautiful ballad and then the final track is the johnny cash vocals where they composed a song for johnny cash to sing called the wanderer about sort of just a man looking for god wandering through uh, an apocalyptic wasteland and at the age that johnny cash was with his personal history and things like that it's incredible it really really works 
Um, this album is not perfect. I'll, I'll give it that. It's got some clunkers. I don't know if some days are better than others is really top tier U2 track, but I I think that uh, the risk that they took and uh, just the it, I think it really comes together. What do you, what do you think about Zeropa, Dan? Yeah, it it really is in that dead spot for me. Um, that again, there were the early albums that were a little bit before me, and so. I would kind of look back at those and I would kind of gather those. But there was a dead spot, basically the 90s, that I just did not engage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just, I have just very little engagement. I have very little nostalgia. I have very little uh, interaction with these at all. Uh, I, I do think the Johnny Cash one is is cool. Uh, I'm kind of on a mini Johnny Cash kick because mm. uh, Johnny Cash is just man, he's just really, really a unique yeah. musician, yeah. and uh, I like I, I love to hear Johnny Cash. So I'm just let it pass. I mean, that's I, right. I don't feel strong enough to to decline it. Well, that is good news for me because I genuinely thought that that would not make the list. I yeah. thought that that was going to be in the Fallen Five. Um, so, now, all right, now number... we start to get crunch time because this is test number four, it and is. now we there's each have probably more than four good albums left on the list. Uh, I don't um, know. I'm. Mm, I don't know. I, I think that, um, and I only have two picks left, and I have two picks left. Okay, so I'm gonna. Put on here all that you can't leave behind. That's very fair. I would have swapped this out with No Line on the Horizon just personally because I like that better. But I think that, I mean, all that you can't leave behind is you just can't say enough about the power of this album in terms of you two re-engaging with with the culture, re-engaging yep. with its fans, uh, being relevant again. Uh, isn't that the quote that Bono says, that we want to reapply for being the world's... The biggest band in the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and he had to because pop was so terrible. Right. Um, well, I mean, no one's denying that, that pop was a critical failure. Yeah, so, you know, and, and really, there are as much... There's as much music played off of this album mm-hmm. as probably any other album in the mainstream. Still, you yes. know, just there's just so many songs here that, and I, I like some of the ones that are, you know, not the ones that you hear all of the the time. Uh, isn't New York on this one? Yes, New York's um, my favorite song on this album, yeah, which is kind I, of a hot take. Um, I, I love that song. Uh, this is a song that you probably should remember listening to. We used to run errands together. This is when you would have been uh, four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if I've got that math right. Yep. Um, you would have been four or five years old, and we listened to this a lot. You would have yeah. listened to this I, a lot. I, when... I vaguely remember listening to, um, what's the second one again? Uh, Stuck in a moment. moment you can't get out of. I mean, this is yeah, everything that's... on here. And, and I think that, you know, Beautiful Day and Elevation... Uh, Beautiful Day, one of the really, other songs, really they play at every at every show. Yeah, but I I think Grace, I think New York, uh, I think Wild Honey. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. All of those are just great, great uh, songs. I, I love this album. And so this is my submission for album number four. I am helpless, unable to do anything about it, but I have no issues with this at number four. I, I think this isn't like my fourth favorite album. I just yeah. think it's really, really important. Yeah. And oh, I'll, I I can agree with that. I had it much lower. This is one of the ones that I I was afraid that you would be worried about how low I had it. You um, had this lower? Yeah, much lower. Significantly lower. Um just on my recent listen to it, I I don't know. 
all of the things that you said are true. I also just think that kind of the space that they were working in at the early 2000s is easy to become the most tired sounding of a lot of their music. I think that Beautiful Day and Elevation... I'm, I'm I, over I think in elevation. concert, we like it. Yeah. But I think in general, uh-huh. I'm like, I don't... You know, a lot of times you'll be walking through a store or someplace yeah. and they're playing you two and your ears perk up. It's like, oh, it's always going to be the Joshua Tree or a Beautiful Day. Yeah, that's like or one maybe. You know, but these ones I'm kind of like, I don't need these. So I, I like yes. the other cuts. That's what I will. That's what I yeah. agree. Especially when it came out, the first four singles from this album were tracks one, two, three, and four in succession. Yeah, U two has a problem. They front load albums. I it's hard to come up with an album that they didn't front load and. When I listened to it this last time, I realized that I think the back half is much more interesting than, than the front yeah. half. Kite's not my favorite, but it's a very good song. Um, what's number six? Can you remind me? Is that uh, Wild Honey? In a Little While. Oh, In a Little While. Beautiful. Great. Gorgeous. Yep, yep, yep. Wild Honey's one of my favorites. Like I said, New York's my favorite on the album. Even I always thought that when I look at the world, it's kind of cheesy, but I listened to it the other day, and it like really moved me. Like I, I found that to be very powerful. I'm kind of over the first half of the album. Like I love Beautiful day i'll always love beautiful day especially in concert stuck in a moment is not really my favorite sort of thing in general it's a little it's a little too slow for my tastes elevation i'm over it like i'm, I'm fine yeah, yeah. and walk on same thing as stuck in a moment that's better but like in preparation for this i didn't listen to this album yeah because you, it's just known it's like yeah, you it's know. a given i had like to I listen said, to it because I, mostly i had to listen to it because pop was my opinion of pop changed so much that i had to listen to all the albums around it to really solidify the rest of my list. So I had to listen to this. Yeah. So again, I I should have just listened to the back half of it because I'm like, yeah, I could listen to that. But it's good. It's solid. Basically, we wouldn't have gone to any U2 concerts mm-hmm. if not for the critical and popular success of this album. 100%. So thank you, fellas. Yeah. And we should also mention the weird timing this album hadn't coming out so close to 9-11 where then they performed at the Super Bowl and they did Beautiful Day and they did a couple other songs and they rolled all the names up on the screen of everybody who would passed away in 9-11 and like for some reason that captured the country and like yeah. really people really for maybe the first time since 1987 people really united over U2 <laughs> um and then they immediately there, went back to making time, to making jokes time about that the nation united around you too, right? Uh, but we'll <laughs> hopefully. I think I think we're in a, an area where we might get away without talking about that. Yeah, we All shall right. see. So you're up with number three, right? Yeah, I have number three. Uh, I am going to. I have three left. No, that's not right. Okay, no, no, I do. I do have three left. I'm. I only have two picks left, which means that this is the only place that I can. I think I can put this. And, and get it on the list. Uh, I'm going to go back in the barrel and I'm going to pull out Octung Baby and slap it down on number three. I, mean, I know you've only got two picks left. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I, I really gonna... only have two picks left. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do if uh, he uses one of my picks. So, <laughs> sure. Whatever. All right. There um, we go. Um, Octung Baby was uh, number two on my list when I first did this one. Uh, it was, like I said earlier, Zeropa was my number one. So I knew that wouldn't work. I had like a list for the for the draft. I had a list for me. Yeah. And I had I had this down as a plus album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had albums that were high plus and then low plus. So I, I, yeah. I didn't really... This was a plus album, so I, I don't mind. You know, it's higher than I would have put it. Uh, but sure, why uh, not? I think... I'll, I'll try to be brief because we talked about it a little bit before. Um, but this is the album that you two reinvented for the first time. 
Um, there was a, like a mini reinvention between War and The Unforgettable Fire. But imagine this. The last thing that comes out is the last song of the previous album, Rattle and Hum, is um, All I Want Is You. And that was also released as a single later. So it, both as the last track on the album and as a single. The next thing that you heard from U2 was The Fly. So going in, in like a one-year span, I think Fly came out at the very end of 90 and Rattle and Hum came out in 89. Yeah. So in just over a year... Rattle and Hum is late 88 is what it says here. Okay. Yeah. So basically in a two-year gap, you go from All I all I Want Is You, and I think that was the last release single also, was it not? You get, go from there to The Fly. Or even if you're not paying attention to singles, you didn't listen to the radio that year, the first, the opening track of Acton Baby is Zoo Station. So either way you look at it, going album to album or single to single, huge division huge division they they called they said that Actong baby was the sound of four men chopping down the joshua tree it was heavily inspired by bowie's berlin period where he kind of got into some more rock like harder rock and industrial music and like electronic music they worked with eno again i'm pretty sure who produced um bowie's berlin albums and uh it's really good it's very solid has one of their biggest six hits ever with one. So Station's really great. Uh, even better than The Real Thing. Even better than The Real Thing opened the first concert we ever went to. Okay, and just that yeah. guitar octave. Yeah, bam, yeah. Wham, wham, bam, wham. Just people went nuts. Yeah, it was I can, so I can, electrifying. I can picture that moment. Yeah, um, and they walked out one at a time. So Edge came out first and just hit the guitar part. Yeah. And then like the drums came in and then the bass and then Bono showed up. Like That was crazy. It was, oh, man. All right, so I think that Octung Baby is really, really good. As I mentioned earlier, I think most people will put it at like in the top two spot with another album that we haven't drafted yet. It's solid. It's really solid. I, I listened to it again in preparation for this and just thought, this is solid all the way across. So Cruel is not my favorite, but that is the only track that I have anything bad to say about. Now, did I veto this one? You did veto it. Okay. All right, I stand by that. No, I vetoed <laughs> it. Sorry, I vetoed it. I vetoed oh, it. because it You was picked too it low. at eight. Wow. I vetoed at eight to try to get it higher. Okay. And it sounds like I did. Yes, it does sound like you did. This is a success. All right, story. we're down to two picks. Two picks. You have two picks. number two. Man, this um, is the end of your drafts. That you selected is, more picks. This is a really, really tricky spot here, um, because there's the album I want to put at number one, but I don't believe that I can defend this in the larger universe <laughs> i know um, you're talking about but my favorite u2 album and listen the haters gonna hate whatever it happens um is i love rattle and hum mm -hmm. uh, rattle and hum at number two i love rattle and hum um i went to see the theatrical release of rattle and hum by myself on a <laughs> tuesday afternoon in an empty movie theater just me i i love rattle and hum i, I love everything about it again I don't know if there's any tracks on there that, like, every track on there just builds and you're like, oh, you think this is great. And then the next track comes. Now, again, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know that that's the the consensus uh, of the world. but and, and I don't know how much people don't like it because it's mostly covers and, mm -hmm. and duets and stuff like that. But, you know, and people who don't like... Um, the, the live version of I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. But those uh, people are wrong. choir. I'm like, oh my goodness. Those people should be imprisoned. Th that like. is just like, wow. Um, uh, I love the B.B. The King cut uh, with When Love Comes to Town. Oh mm -hmm. man, don't ride yeah. in the car with me when that one comes on because <laughs> we're, we're going to light it up. You know, that's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know one of my all-time favorite songs is Van Diemen's Land. Which um, I still don't quite understand. That's I, like the deepest of deep cuts that you could make. I 
I love the vocals on that. And when we go to concerts, I'm the only guy Person in the arena for yeah, yelling out Van Diemen's Land. <laughs> um, I one of the few Edge led vocals. Yeah, and one. I I love his voice. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I love the simplicity of the song. And then I think that maybe one of my all time favorite U two songs is All I Want Is You. Oh, it's it's um, unbelievable. It's and so good. So, yeah. I don't love Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good opener. but it, Yeah, it's fine. And then we're done. And then the album can really get started with Van Diemen's, Diemen's Land. Land. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, I love it. I, I love everything about it. So I would really like to make this number one. But I don't think... You're scared I, of the backlash from our 30 listeners. I, I, I think that we have a moral obligation that there is a universally accepted number, number one, one answer. And remember... I still have a veto if you want to you do. bring you something, do. some junk up here. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Hel- uh, I almost said Helter Skelter. Uh, Rattled Hum, fantastic album. So the, where would the, you have ranked it? I had it at number three. Okay. I, I For my personal list, I had it at number three. I had Actung and Zeropa at two and one, respectively. How much did you think I was going to try to fit this in at one? I'll, I'll have you know that I, I have written down that Octung, Blank, and Rattle and Hum are the top three. And it would not have bothered me if you went for number one, because I know it's your number one. Yeah. I know with the, with the two that we're down to, Rattle and Hum and, and the, uh, the, you know, the one coming later, um, yeah, I knew that this was the top two. I I felt pretty confident this is what would happen. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, no, this is, a, this is a great choice. This is a great spot. Uh, the backlash against this album was because people felt like they were taking themselves too seriously. Um, that they were trying to like yeah, fit themselves that, into the. I don't, get that. the I, I don't hear that at all. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You you think that with as much as they embraced Americana on Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree, that it's a logical artistic route for them to go. But people people seem to think that it was like you know we weren't really talking about appropriation like we were then, like we were you think now. That's what it is. Well, it's sort of the same thing. That like these Irish guys show up and take all of our music and then perform with our heroes as if they're as good as them but so do you think maybe that the first helter skelter is the is the reason for that like we're charles manson stole this from the beatles we're stealing it back yeah a little bit like that they were capable of doing that yeah or that they put themselves on the same level as the beatles in a sense I, I don't get that. I hear homage when I listen to it. That's, like, that's I, what I, I hear in all of this. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the song with Bob Dylan. Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't really oh. sing on it. He plays the organ. There's a, there is an unreleased version of that where that Bob Dylan sings that his record label still won't let him release. But that one's really good. He plays organ and sings backup vocals on that one. Love, Rescue Me. Very yeah. good. He co-wrote oh. it with Bono. So good. Um, yeah, like I, I hear the partnership when they play with B.B. King. Yeah. I hear like... You know, like and B.B. King gets to like really shine and be the star of that song. And so it's very much like they're working with him and he's clearly like a hero of theirs. Yeah, you know? I can see the band stepping back and like these other guys right. go, you know. Yeah. People also don't like the OK Edge play the blues. Uh, um, oh no, that's classic. We say that at our house all the time. We do, but people don't <laughs> like it because it's, it's not a very bluesy solo. It kinda yeah, is. I don't care. <laughs> it's the Edge, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Rattle and Hum, love it fantastic album uh we don't get the hate it no. stays at number two all right there you go all right it's down to me 
one spot left, six albums this left. Has to I'll be, remind you. This has to be the the most anticlimactic number one <laughs> that has ever been done. Am I right? Uh, it better be. I mean, no, I guess I guess it is. Yeah. Like, all right, so let all right. At number one, your best U two album ever, as drafted by me and my father, <laughs> the Joshua Tree. The Joshua Tree. It wasn't. Oh, really going to be anything else. You know, I, I wanted it to be something else. I wanted to push for it to be something else. But I knew that in this room with these people, it's going to be the Joshua Tree. I had prepared a takedown of Joshua Tree. Did you? Because I, I was going to say, I'm going to I'm gonna take down Joshua Tree so I can get Rattle and Hum at number one. Mm. I mean, you could have put... You could have put Joshua Tree at number two and then Rattle and Hum... I would have had to put number, Rattle and Hum at number one. I, I didn't want to put you in that spot. <laughs> um, but Joshua Tree... I mean, this is this is my senior year of high school. Yeah. Uh, this is the soundtrack to well to my senior year. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had the cassette, pop that thing in the uh, in the car. In fact, I think I bought the cassette player for the car just so that I could play this album. I'd go to sleep listening to this album. This you're, wait, you're supposed to be talking about this. Is your yeah, pick. but you got more history. It's fine. Um, this was this was it, and, and then I, I think that the story was that I mean, this was this was it again uh some of those prior albums like under a blood red sky and unforgettable fire had been building this uh, mm-hmm. attention toward youtube and pride was a huge hit like yeah. their biggest thing by far t- up to that point and people loved it and, and it was sunday, everywhere Blood sunday yeah um, which is before that's before pride yeah but wow all that but then when you get to the joshua tree i mean it took off and they came in concert to tampa uh, mm-hmm. My senior year of high school, and almost all of my friends uh, went to that concert. And my parents said, "No, that who knows what kind of behaviors we're going to be at a rock concert." And so that was a, a no. I did not get to go. Everyone I knew talked about it for weeks, and I had missed out on that. And you know, probably my my anti bucket list, my, my my list of great disappointments in life mm-hmm. was that I I did not get to go to that concert. And so when they did the anniversary tour... Mm-hmm. They did they, the Joshua Tree 30th anniversary tour. That concert was, of all the concerts we went to... Absolutely. The most amazing, the most By far. mind-blowing, the un... I just cried for 20 minutes at and, that and concert. And partly because, you know, I got to do what I missed in high school and to do it with you. And we almost didn't get to go to that concert. Yes. We, so the story there is we bought tickets for Dallas. Because Dallas had the brand new Cowboy Stadium with mm-hmm. the giant screen and all that kind And again, of stuff. we like to travel for these trips. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, pick the, we'll pick the city we want to go to the most that fits in our schedules and then to go see them there, have a yeah. little adventure. And I got mono so bad that I was yeah. bedridden for three weeks straight. I think it was the weekend that I came down with it. Yeah, it was Because I started early. throwing up on like thursday or friday and we were supposed to leave that like that saturday yeah, i didn't even have time to find another person to go with you know? it's true no we, we were trying to figure out how to get my credit card that i bought the tickets oh, with to you so that yeah. you could try to go yeah. even without me uh and so we just completely missed it weren't able to go and the tour was so popular they had to announce more dates that's right and they announced one in new orleans which was only like two hours from both of us about yeah, two hours yeah. away three hours away and so we hopped on that as fast as possible. Didn't get to make like an adventure out of it because yeah. New Orleans is local. Oh. We've been there. Uh, but we got to go anyway. We were in the Superdome. And I don't know. The boys seemed to really enjoy being in New Orleans yeah. for that concert. Yeah, they did. The back end of that concert when they got off the 
the Joshua Tree album. Mm-hmm. It seems like the encores and stuff, they just really seem to well, really Well, they played the, the Green Day song that they did. The song with Green Day. They played The Saints Are Coming. They did a snippet yeah, of that yeah. with the, all the Saints logos and stuff. Yeah. And they talked about like uh, people they've worked with and partnerships they have in New Orleans. Yeah, um, and I, you know, the the memory of Katrina was very meaningful mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. It was a very, very meaningful concert. It was yeah. it was absolutely fantastic. That one, and, yeah, that... That's that's the concert I think I cry the most at. Yeah. Uh, because they played bad, which is, you know, again, it's either my favorite or my number two favorite song. They don't play it that often. And what they did at the beginning of this concert was they took you on a mini history of U2 up to the point yeah. of the Joshua Tree. So they played Sunday. Oh, well, hold on. Let me check. Let me make sure. <laughs> I always forget. Uh, they played. Uh, here didn't it is. They, didn't they open with Sunday Bloody Sunday? They did, yeah. Sunday Bloody Sunday, then New Year's Day. Oh, I goodness. forgot that they played New Year's. That's the one I always oh, forget. My goodness. They did Sunday Bloody Sunday. Just they open. Larry Mullen walk, Jr. walks out with a snare drum. That's yeah. it. And he just oh. goes. And then the Edge comes out with the guitar and he starts playing the guitar lick. Like Again, they came out one at a time, which they do a lot. But boy, that worked. That was real good. <laughs> uh, so they played Sunday Bloody Sunday, then New Year's Day. Both of those are on War. And they played Bad and Pride, uh, which both of those are on Unforgettable Fire. So those are the two albums before Joshua Tree. During Bad, I just started weeping openly. It kept going through Pride. And then they did the thing from the Rattle and Hum movie where they line up in front of the red Joshua Tree as the synthesizer for where the streets start. And they walk to their instruments and then they start playing. And I just kept crying through all of Streets and then all of Still and Found. I'm looking for, I'm with or without you. And... I was totally exhausted by that point. We could have gone home and had a great evening. Yeah, fantastic. That tour, so the conceit of that tour was then they played Joshua Tree in full, straight through, which they'd never done before. Yeah, they'd never. I think they'd like never. There, no, they must have performed all of them. But But it it was it was amazing. Now, what I was going to try to do to to take down Joshua Tree was I was going to mark off significant number of points for the amount of Muzak versions of every one of these songs. Uh, <laughs> that have been played in the mall for 25 years. I don't think they don't, they don't do that. They but... don't do as much Muzak anymore. No, they don't. Uh, it, it's kind of gone. But the, the yeah. amount of bad instrumental versions of this yeah. entire album that exists, I was going to. No, off you can't credits. mark off of that. That's but, not fair. I mean, if, if you just go through that, and we, you know, every, I mean, everyone but Seth and Libby, you know, know the playlist off of this album. Uh, but. I've heard a story, I don't know if it is true or apocryphal, that they could not decide the order for this album. So they gave all the songs. They had like, uh, I think Steve Lillywhite, one of their producers, I think they had his wife come in and listen to it and then just put it in the order of the tracks that she liked the most. Now, yeah. there's almost no way that that's the real story because it is paced so well. Maybe she's like, got a good sense of I mean, maybe of so, yeah. I mean, it's not hard to put Streets at the beginning and Mothers of the Disappeared at the end. Yeah. Everything else. Oh, up. my goodness. Again, this album, very front-loaded. The first three songs are three of the best songs they've ever written. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Streets is amazing. I still haven't found what I'm looking for is amazing. Uh, but I think, you know, the more I listened to the album uh, back in the day, With or Without You was just... Yeah. It's oh. like the heart of that album. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. gorgeous. Um, yeah, Red Hill Mining Town. Fantastic. Uh, One Tree Hill. Oh, that's uh, it. They'd never played Red Red Hill Mining Town on the tour before. Yeah. Well, they didn't ever perform that. It was uh, it was amazing. Uh, so do we talk about the uh, Forgotten Five? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can in a second. Uh, so that's Joshua Tree at number one. Let me go back through it. I'll, I'll hit you with the full list, and then we can talk about the discards. Uh, at number nine, you drafted, uh, Dad drafted Pop. At number eight, uh, he attempted to draft Actung Baby, which was vetoed and replaced by Boy. 
I drafted No Line on the Horizon at number seven. At number six, we have Unforgettable Fire. Number five, Zeropa. Number four, All That You Can't Leave Behind. Three, Akhtung Baby. Two, Rattle and Hum. And number one, The Joshua Tree. Now, let's take a look at those discards. We got five albums that got left off. Yeah. Well, the one is Songs of Innocence, and that is the... The, the iTunes, iPhone, the, the iTunes, iTunes album, yep. yeah. That you know, if all you can't leave behind brought back you two from the dead, mm-hmm. songs of innocence, and the fact that people got a free album if yeah. they wanted it, nearly killed them. Yeah, I don't understand. I still don't understand that. But people still come up to you and say, "I hate you two. They yes, they gave me something free." I'm like. That's what I get most of the time when I when I talk yeah. about you two is oh yeah this there's the iTunes one now again the album artwork probably did not help their case there when it's I got so it weird. when I got it I didn't get the album artwork I had the 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 vinyl in the white sleeve with just like the name written on it I had that for years. Okay. Um, yeah, the iTunes thing didn't go so hot. Sorry, we had a little crash there. There might be some a lack of continuity. iTunes thing didn't go so hot. Uh, so about Songs of Innocence as an album, I would say, I think that my frustration with Songs of Innocence and Songs of Experience is that they're not, they're not innovating. They're not doing anything interesting. They're just doing the same old stuff and it, it, like a worse quality. I think that if you combined Innocence and Experience together into one album, you'd have a pretty solid album. But there is like half filler on one and half filler on the other. On on Innocence, I think that... Um, let me take a look at it. There, I really, really liked Innocence when it came out, but it is just... It, it, it has stopped working for me as much as it did. Um, I think it was my least favorite of the concerts that we went to. Uh, now this is true. The, the that, cage that came down, yeah, was amazing and mind blowing, and uh-huh. I love how they how they worked that. Except for the hippie guy at that concert. Oh the, my goodness! The crowd was really <laughs> low energy, and I think that that was a big part of it. But also, the set list objectively was not as strong as the other three concerts that we've been to. I found that concert to be almost abrasive uh, in the hmm. mix. That that was just me. Yeah, uh, I. I think I liked them. It was in a basketball arena or a mm-hmm. hockey arena instead of a football arena. I yeah. think I liked the ones. They went smaller ones. on that tour. Um, and that's where the energy was lacking, I think. Yeah. I think they actually played better to the bigger venues. Now, the one, that the concert that we went to from the Songs of Experience in Philadelphia. That was pretty good. It was. And I, I found, again, unpopular opinion, but, but I found Bono as the communicator to be just absolutely mesmerizing. He's got um, he's got the stage presence. He's got the charisma, at least on stage. Just he may not have it in interviews or <laughs> yeah. He his messaging and communicating, uh, I just found absolutely mesmerizing there. So we also left off uh, how to dismantle an atomic bomb. I, I'd like to talk about that album. Uh, this is my least favorite U two album of all time. Wow. I cannot stand it. I hate it. It wow. stinks. Wow. Uh, this right, is the we one left it off. Yeah, this is the one that I was afraid you were going to try to play. I didn't know your feelings on it. I was afraid if I vetoed Octung, that bomb would get on the list. Basically, everything else I could stomach. Because I knew what the top three-ish would be. So I figured, you know, you've got like four more spots that you could try to put stuff. It just can't be Atomic Bomb. I think Atomic Bomb, I don't, I don't know. There's no hits on it. 
Um, I don't think it's very interesting. I think it's a board. Vertigo's not bad. I can't. I don't like. I'm tired of Vertigo. They play it at every concert. I think it's on that list as well. Yes, we've heard Vertigo four out of four times, and I'm bored every time. Um, <laughs> I I don't like it that much. It's really not good. So Vertigo was the only kind of hit on there. I guess it was a hit. I just don't like it. The, I feel like they had the, the the momentum from All That You Can't Leave Behind, and they decided to go in a more traditional rock direction. And I just don't like it. I don't think it worked. All Because of You is probably one of my least favorite U2 songs ever. Between a Man and a Woman is not bad, but it's also not great. And then the rest of the album is almost completely forgettable. Like, everything <laughs> after that is just nothing. Well, we left it off. We did. Um, I'm glad. It's number 14 out of 14 on my list. It deserves it. <laughs> uh, we also left off October. Uh, yeah, October is just Worst Boy. Uh, I can buy that. Uh, it has all. It has most of the the rawness, the roughness from Boy, but without any of uh, I don't know, without really any of the heart. Boy, um, exp- like grows because of the rawness of it, because they're so young, because yeah, these songs yeah, yeah. are about being young, yeah. and for whatever reason, October diminishes because of the. It has a little more polish to it, but that doesn't really come with anything else, and so October just kind of misses for me. We also left off War. Yeah. War is the most is the polished version of Boy. Yeah. I um in and again, October War October's de- in the War awkward middle. Sunday Bloody Sunday. It does. Yeah. Uh, which And New Year's Day, which is also which also yeah. becomes a hit. Um War's weird. I really listen to War because again it is in the pop area for me. I still have it I have one spot above pop. I have War at number eight. Although I was not disappointed it didn't make the draft because I wanted to talk more about pop and everything else is better. Uh, War is a weird album. It's got like a female vocalist on it for a couple songs. They have violin on a handful of songs, which yeah, every, yeah. the violin works everywhere it shows up. Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday and Drowning Man are like my two favorite songs from that album. But it's odd. It's in like the, what's the Refugee? That's like a weird Adam and the Ants sort of deal. Like it's just a weird album. It's solid. Um, I remember people talking about it. I don't know if anyone's ever listened to the uh, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott podcast, You Talking You Too to Me. But when they were doing their <laughs> listen through, they um, they decided like War is like the first great U2 album. Like they really came into their own. And listening to it, I just have to disagree. Like I, I'm not feeling that in the same way. I don't know why. Okay. Well, this was fun. It was fun. It, was there not another one we left off? Uh, Innocence and Experience we left off. Um, War, October, and Bomb. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Innocence and Experience, October, and Bomb were my bottom four out of the full 14. And Those keep in my... mind, just because Adam said we weren't allowed to use Under a Blood Red Sky, you know that we used it. It's your secret number five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant earlier when you said you have a, you have five and then you have another five. Yeah, okay. Like I like see. All right, that's cool. Uh, so there you have it. That is um, both the official U2 albums draft as drafted by me and my dad. Uh, this is also the long-threatened U2 album of Arsats. Hopefully letting this all out will mean I can bottle it up for a couple more episodes. You won't have to hear about it anymore. Thanks to Dad. This was fun. Hey, Thanks for thank being on the you. podcast. It was fantastic. Thanks to the listeners who made it this far for sticking with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. So yeah, we'll be back next next time with a regular episode with me and, and Livy and Seth, but just looking for some different ideas. Just wanted to get this one out. So uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and uh, we'll see you soon.